Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, poet and playwright, Mark Antony Rossi. In this, our second year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Strength Be Human. I'm your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, poet and playwright. This will be episode 173, The Case Against Conformity. Hi, folks, thank you very much for back and being and joining with us here. I got a couple of days before Christmas, so I want to get this show in there. It's an interesting show, that's for sure. Um, we're going to have it in three segments. I, you know, I do that a lot, but it, it does help control the, the flow of everything, all right? Uh, the first segment will be about family, and next will be about religion, and the third will be about society. These are the three main forces in a person's life where conformity tends to be very strong. It's not the only places for it. I mean, there could be a workplace, one from conformity as well, but I don't really feel that's the same as these other ones because, quite frankly... Uh, when people feel conformity in family, they don't tend to jump out of the family. Or religion, they don't tend to leave the religion. I mean, it's happened, but it doesn't happen very often. And society, they don't suddenly leave society. Where work is different, if people really feel that work is just too conformist, they can always quit that job and get another one that doesn't have that. So that's why I want to put work in there, because it's not really that inescapable. I'm sure there's plenty of people who think that way, but ultimately it really isn't. All right, so... We'll start first with family, all right? I'm going to read this interesting quote because it really kind of gives you a, a good encapsulation of what we're talking about here, all right? The opposite of courage in society is not cowardice, it is conformity. And that's by Rollo May. Now, it's really an interesting quote because it, it, it kind of gives you, in many aspects, in my feelings, it gives you more of a dimension of what conformity is because ultimately what conformity is is it's a smothering of your choices, of your freedom. It's really the absence of anything that would be considered valid or even valid because the whole point of conformity is you're supposed to, you know, uh, be like or agree with anything that's in your in your sphere of influence. Otherwise, you're a, you're a threat, you're a problem. Now, and where it concerns family, this can be very damaging. I'm, I've known plenty of people that the very source of their depression came from the negative aspects of their family. Everything that they did had to be exactly the way the family wanted. Otherwise, uh, they were getting ridiculed. Negative comments thrust upon them. I I remember dating a girl one time where um, no matter what I did, no matter what I said, she couldn't stop feeling that she was fat, that she was overweight. I mean, that's all her family would say to her. Now, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm dating her, okay? If there's a problem in this area, I'm going to talk about it with the person. Or maybe, quite frankly, if it's too much of a problem, I'm not going to date the person. So if I'm already dating you, then obviously it's not an issue. But no matter what you try to say to the person, what you try to do didn't make any difference. 
that family had complete control over that person's mind. Now, I, I still tell you, and, and I, I, it might sound cruel, but we still are people who need to have personal responsibility. And I'm not absolving the family from saying these horrible things about their child. They, what they did is grossly wrong. Don't get me wrong. But at the same point, when are you going to tell them, uh, no, this is this is fine? Or when are you going to push back? When are you going to say, this is enough? When is you going to say, maybe this is not the family I need to be in contact with anymore? Because there has to be a point where you draw a line. There has to be a point where you personally step in and say, I'm becoming responsible for this behavior because I'm not getting away with it. It's like the woman who gets hit by the man. Again, I would never defend such horrible behavior. But how many times do you have to hit you before you realize that you need to call the cops, that this is exactly a healthy relationship, that you need to go on with your life? Do you stay until you die? Do you stay thinking he's some kind of going to change? It's the same thing with that family. People like that are not going to change because that's what they think. You have to be looking like them, acting like them, believing like them. Walking like them, looking like them, I mean, I don't know, dressing like them, everything, I guess. And when you get somebody that's like that, or you get exposed to somebody that's like that, you got to get away from that. You can't stay around there because the first question, the first healthy question that should be on your mind is, what the hell's wrong with them? Because obviously there's something wrong with them that they need me to be like them. Should they not be happy with the way they are? You know? That's how I always feel. I'm comfortable who I am. I don't need you to part your hair this way. I don't need you to shave, you know, in this fashion. I don't need you to use this soap or this shampoo or wear this type of sneaker or this kind of shoe. I'm happy doing it myself. I don't need you to do anything else. But some people, they have a need for that. It really reflects on who they are. There is some kind of weird insecurity about that. Something that says to them that unless everybody's like me, I'm threatened. Uh, unless everybody's like me, there's a problem with them. Really? I, I say there's a problem with you. Because it's definitely not a problem with me. That's what you have to learn to say. So in, in families especially, this can be a very dangerous thing. Because family, unlike religion or society or the workplace is a powerful influence over a person. I'm not making light of it. I mean, even though I'm saying personal responsibility, even though I'm saying, yeah, you need to draw a line, yeah, you probably need to get away, these people are not going to stop, unless somehow you can stop them. They are probably the most powerful of all the forces that we're talking about over here, because literally, uh, one of them brought you into the world, uh, you all share their bloodline and their genetic code, you know, you lived with them and, and played with them and ate with them and went to school with them and went to church with them and blah, blah, blah. So you did the most of intimate things with them from blood on down. So when someone like that says something like that to you, for a while you believe it. You take it for, okay, well, what, it can't be meaning me any harm. That's my family. It doesn't mean a whole lot much these days, folks. Family can be the most dangerous things that you have to deal with, especially as a writer. And that's what we're talking about here when we're talking about conformity. When people can change you or try to change you and you allow that, you're never going to be any kind of writer of any kind of real note. Because if common folks can change your mind on, on the most basic things that you can look in the mirror, I don't think I'm fat. I don't think I'm ugly. I don't think anything's wrong with these shoes. How the hell are you going to inform us about anything else in the world when you already had these people change your reality? Well, you have these people speak images into the mirror that are not there. 
that's the problem over there. It's an illusion. It's a it's a, a definitely a, a negative influence, and it, it is definitely I feel a, a form of oppression. And a bad family, that's ultimately what they are, a type of form of oppression. I've known plenty of writers that family was the thing that was that was always harming them. And some of them had to take the drastic step of exercising the family out of their life in order to become the writer that they wanted to be, to be the artistic person they wanted to be. Because according to their family, there wasn't a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or something, they were useless. They were nobody. If that's what they think, and this is all you feel that you need to be doing. You need to be the writer. This is what you want to do. Then that's what you got to do. You have to get rid of them, not the other way around. Because maybe one day they'll change their mind. Who knows? But in the meantime, you don't want to have your dreams. You don't want to have your own happiness smothered by people that they have a different definition you know, of what success is or what uh, beauty is. Or, you know, They say it's in the eye of beholder. Well, it can also be a dangerous thing too because... You know, they could be the beholder and they're saying you're not beautiful. It's ridiculous. But you allow this ultimately over the course of time. And you have to figure out a way to get out of that. So you can be who you need to be. Plenty of writers have done so. And they did did so. And, and they became successful in terms of having a better life. Having a more healthy outlook. And of course, all of that translated into being writers that were confident and they were able to write the things they were talking about. They will even write about some of those things that they experienced to help other people. Nothing wrong with that. That's a, that's a great way of going about it, actually. But nevertheless, conformity is definitely the opposite of creativity. Because creativity ultimately can't be done in a, in a place that has no freedom. And that's what conformity is. Conformity is the opposite of liberty. It's the opposite of freedom. It's the opposite of bravery. It's the opposite of anything that means you need to have your permission. I mean, to the point of listening to these people, I mean, you'll be asking when you can go to the bathroom, when you can breathe, when you can marry, when you can buy a, a ham sandwich. I mean, and, and onward. It's ridiculous. And as you can see right there, if you're listening to that type of conformity, what is it doing? It's dictating to you. You can't be free to make your own choices because conformity says it has to make the choice for you. It's really the, the living, breathing example of what communism is. A place where they know all your decisions because you can't make any because they know the best for you. Well, guess what? Nobody can know the best for you than yourself. Unless this is how you want to live. You know, I always tell people, if that's how you want to live, I can't ridicule you. I can't stop you, and I'm not going to waste my time with you. Go and live with those people. Become their robot and their slave, so to speak. And, and that's the kind of life you're going to have. Because guess what? If you want creativity, you're going to risk failure. If you want freedom, you're going to risk failure. You know, if you want things that are... A chance to be wonderful, well, you have to risk it that it could be a chance that it's going to be crap. And it's real important that you understand the difference. Okay? Many people, including people regarding the family, they get suckered into listening to this crap and, and behaving white like it and, and, and doing it because they're under the impression that if I do this, maybe it'll increase my chances. Maybe this is a safer road. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll avoid failure. But I'm telling you right now, as, as a free man, as a writer, for almost 40 years right now, 
As long as you don't think for yourself, as long as you let somebody else think for you, I don't care if it's your mother or your great-grandfather, you're not free. You're not thinking for yourself. You're not going to be anybody creative. You really just become somebody else's robot, somebody else's servant, somebody else's slave, somebody else's butler, somebody else's maid, somebody else's wet nurse. I could go on and on with the words. But you know exactly what I'm saying. That's what conformity does to you. And in the end, conformity it becomes very corrosive. It starts destroying you. Because you know underneath it all that you should be doing something different. And sometimes you're trapped there out of loyalty. Misplaced loyalty, but loyalty nevertheless. And sometimes you're trapped there out of fear. What happens if I fail? Yeah, well, what the hell happens if you fail? You pick yourself up, you figure out a new strategy, go out there and do it again. If Thomas Edison thought this way, we'd have nothing invented here. No electricity, no bulbs, no you know, uh, phonographs, you know, name it. None of this stuff wouldn't be here because that's all that guy did. It was fail. Think about it. It's in the sports thing too. If, if look at the records. I mentioned this in another show and somebody thought it was pretty fascinating, but it's the truth. Look at the records. You'll find that if you looked at the records of somebody like Babe Ruth, you know, Babe Ruth right now, even to this day, is considered the greatest baseball player that ever lived. Look at his records. The guy failed just about on everything. Yeah. He was too fat to run the bases. He struck out like 9 million times. Why is he considered the greatest? Because he hit the most home runs. But he did it at such an enormous sacrifice. I don't even know if that guy cared about his team. All he was trying to do was hit a home run. That's his record. If you look on paper, you go, what the hell? It looks lopsided and crazy. Considered one of the greatest. Michael Jordan. He's lost the most games. He had the most misses. I mean, all kinds of horrible things that guy went through. Yet, he's considered one of the greatest basketball players. Because he stuck with it. Because he was persistent. Tried to redo things over and over again until something happened. Until something magical happened. Something victorious happened. Why? Because he wasn't going to be, he wasn't going to be some conformist. He wasn't going to be some defeatist. Because that's what it is. Conformity is the lack of freedom. Conformity is defeat. Conformity is you being robotically uh, controlled by somebody else because you allow it. Because you give up your individuality so that you can become something else that somebody else wants you. So conformity is dangerous, and especially as a family. All right, let's go on to the next one here. Religion. Now, I'm not somebody that's against religion, and I'm actually somebody as a writer and a creative person that has a lot of respect for it. I take it seriously. It's part of who I am as a life, but I never allowed it to be something that dictates everything I think and everything I do. And sometimes folks can go that far. That's not exactly uh, healthy. I'm not saying you need to enter a religion and go around question every single thing in the world. Because obviously, there's a point where you have to take some things on faith. There's a point where you have to actually practice some of it if you want to say you're an adherent to it. But obviously, you just can't some have some guy down the block say, God just told me to tell you to blow up those people on that bus. Because, uh, you know, that doesn't make any sense. And that certainly isn't part of any kind of religion. Even though there's people out there that do that. And they do it in all kinds of different religions. Not just one. Plenty of people have done that. Religion. 
To me, just like the family, has to be something that has some give and take. It can't just be that everything it tells you to do, you do, and you can't tell it something. You have every right to have a question for a religion. What do you think about this? Why do you practice that? You have every right to have a a, a prayer, or we, basically what well, a prayer really is, is a, is a quiet conversation with God. Or if you believe in more one than one God, maybe God's or a certain God on that certain question, maybe. Um, you have every right to have it, to ask questions, to be doubtful, to be concerned, to be inquisitive. All these things are necessary. You can't go into any kind of system of belief. I don't care if it's communism or Buddhism without having some questions about what's going on. That's normal and natural. When you don't, that's when you become somebody's pawn. That's when you become somebody that's more more of a robot than a believer. Because a believer still questions things. A believer still has to put that to the test in reality. A believer still has to have days where... I want to sound shrill about this, and I certainly don't want to sound short-sighted, but you know, a believer is no different than a married man. He's going to have some days like Monday where he's like, I'm not sure about God, or you know, this woman is driving me nuts today. And then tomorrow, oh wow, God is so cool. And then tomorrow, wow, my wife is awesome. I, I'm glad I married her. Because guess what? Having a, 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 a faith and a belief in, in, in a religious system it's really no different than being in a marriage. You're going to have your good days and you're going to have your bad days. You're going to have your days where it all makes sense and you're going to have your other days where it's like, can I just stayed in the single bar and had another drink? God knows I've had those days and I'm sure you've had too. And not just men, women too. Maybe you don't want to talk about it in polite society, but you know it's true. So it's normal to have questions. It's expected to have some doubts and fears. You can't always be faithful every day. And I don't mean this in a marital sense. I mean in terms of a religious sense. You're going to have some days where you're like, I don't even know. This is crazy. That's a, that's human. That's normal. In fact, that's actually healthy. And I, and I think actually that's really the best way of going about things. Because if you don't, you become a conformist to that faith. And that's never a good thing. Because... Any decent religion is going to have the room, is going to have the allowance, it's going to have its own faith in you that you can have movement in a modern society. Because otherwise, it's like, I can't use this microwave, man, because my ancient scripture says i got to hit two rocks together and, and burn this hot dog out, out in the desert somewhere. I mean, it's not very practical. That's the whole point of any religion, is you need to be able to take it and convert it into a modern context so that you can use it. So you could be uh, somebody that, that can be a believer that makes some sense, that, that obviously is still using it in, in, in the modern sense. And if you think about it, that's just normal. That's just natural. As a writer, and I see plenty of people that do this, sometimes it overtakes them. Lots of times... I'd probably say like 9 out of 10 times. If somebody sends me something as a writer uh, and, and I'm checking it out as an editor and it's something religious, they, they've gone overboard every time. Almost every time. It's very few times that I, I publish anything with a religious overtone because 
it's it's not art. They they want they want up to going into something very personal or something very propagandistic, something that's just simply not art, and that's not really helpful. Because when we allow that, then the reader can't just take this as a piece of art. Maybe learn something from it. Possibly even get something positive or wise out of it. They'll automatically sense, um, I'm like, oh my God, this guy's drawing on me here. This is not what I'm expecting. That's not really poetry. That's not really writing. It's not really art. It's not really helpful. So that's what you got to be careful with. That it doesn't become a conformist part of your life. It needs to be a part of your life. If you're somebody that has a belief in religion. You just need to make sure. Like anything else you have in your life. That you made it a priority. And you put it into a place where it, 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 it can be useful. And it can be uh, vital. But it's not uh, again all encompassing and all controlling. Because again you don't get to be human. And, and it, some of these things I'm saying to you right now, I'm sure are probably controversial. There's other people saying, well, Mark, if it's not controlling all my life, then I'm not really a believer. What's the point of all of this? Some people feel that's a valid point of view. I don't think it's a valid point of view because I believe, and I've always have, it's really the foundation of the show, Strength to be Human, is that you still need to be human first. I don't care if you call yourself a Christian or a Buddhist or Muslim or whatever. At the end of the day, if you stop becoming human, then what have you done? Where, where are you going with this? How is this supposed to help somebody? How can you relate to somebody else if you want to share a theological message or if you want to share some kind of spiritual blessing if you're no longer even human anymore? How can they relate to you? How can you communicate to them? How are you even going to be a writer? So yeah, you still have to maintain your humanity. And I think too many people, they get mixed up with this in, in all kinds of religions. Where the afterlife, folks, it's in the afterlife. It's not here now. We still got to deal with things. We got to deal with Ebola. And we got to deal with COVID. And we got to deal with cancer. And we got to deal with the idiot who drinks and tries to run us off on the highway. And we got to deal with having a hamburger. And we got to deal with a cat that's, that, that's screaming at us when we're trying to go to sleep. We're in the now. We're not in the hereafter. So we got to deal with all of that. And I think sometimes people, they put that cart before the horse. They get a little too carried away. You know what I mean? I don't know if it's supernaturally uh, impatient or whatever you want to call it. But we still have to deal with now. And how we deal with now is we're human. Maybe religious in many ways helped us to be wiser humans. Maybe a little bit more spiritual humans. Maybe more compassionate humans. That's all great. More loving humans. God knows we need that in the world. But we still have to be humans. And we still have to have the strength at the end of the day to be able to tell a religion, listen, this is as far as I want you to go. I still have to live my day. I still have to live my life. This is as far as I want you to go. And I say the same thing with science. Stop right there. That's as far as we're going to go with this. Okay? Because in the end, if we're not controlling who we are, that means our identity. That means our own creativity. That means our own voice. And definitely that means our destiny. Then what's doing it for us? 
Are we living our life or are we letting our family do that for us? Are we living our life or are we letting some, some religious leader tell us what to do? We have to live our lives. And to do that, we have to be creative. And to be creative, we have to be free. Doesn't necessarily have to be always open-minded. Not everybody is. Not every one of us can be. But we still have to be free in a free society. Alright, next. And the last one here is society. This happens a lot. I'll give you a real interesting example on it. Um, and I'm not trying to be able to Japan, but they're a perfect example of this. Japan has a saying. The nail that sticks up gets hammered down. Now, that's something else. It really is, if you think about it here. According to the Japanese, if you conform to their way of conformity in society, that's a sign of maturity. That's a sign of you having self-control. Where individuality is seen as chaos and immature behavior. I know, it's hard to even conceive just how these folks think. But they do. They really do. And I'm amazed by it. I really am. Now, check this out here. Um, this is... Alright. This is from Denmark. It's what they call the 10 Rules of Scandinavian Implicit Code of Conduct. Alright. And I'm not trying to make fun of Scandinavia. But if you ever wonder why they have the highest suicide rates in the world... This is, by the way, all these Scandinavian countries are all up in the top 10 of, of the happiest, supposedly healthiest, one of those places to live on Earth. And they all have the highest suicide rate, by the way. It's not a coincidence. Here are the 10 top codes of conduct. Number one, you're not to think that you are anything special. Lovely. Number two, you're not to think you're as good as us. Great. Number three, you're not to think you're smarter than us. Hmm, Really? Number four, you're not to convince yourself that you are better than us. Lovely. Number five, you're not to think you are more than us. Yeah, really? Number six, you're not to think that you are more important than us. Hmm. Number seven, you're not to think that you're good at anything. That's just beautiful. Number eight, you're not to laugh at us. Hmm. Number nine, you're not to think anyone cares about you. That's beautiful. Number 10, you're not to think you can teach us anything. It's called the Law of Jante, named after a small town in, in Denmark, which was in the novel, by the way. Tell me anything about that is positive. That's conformity right there, folks. But really? I'm, I'm supposed to walk into the town, bow down to everybody, cut off my wiener, you know, um, and bleed out so everybody died, and, and, and they're good with me. That's beautiful. Uh, that would be a, a hell no. Now, we've known from communism, and of course we've known from what Orwell has taught us in 1984, that in the end, the best way to control people is to keep them off track, but also to have them conform to certain things, to say certain things or to think certain things, because once they can do that, we have them under control, and therefore they can't be free. They're always under our control, of course, you don't have to worry them being creative because they're too busy mouthing off what you're telling them. Okay? Now, this is really interesting right over here. Okay? There was a, a group uh, called Ast, and in this group, uh, they, they tried to do some experiments on conformity. All right? 
So they put a, they put a bunch of intelligent people together, okay? And they found that no matter how intelligent were, at least 25% of them automatically became conformists. And at least 75% of that other group that literally agreed at least once to what was being said. They didn't totally go with it, but they at least once. The 25 actually went all the way. And here was the three main reasons on why they decided to contribute to the conformity and actually add themselves to it. They had a distortion of perception. So a number of the subjects were not aware that they had been distorted by the majority. They come to see that whatever the majority said was correct. Wow. Distortion of judgment. Number two. Most of the subjects had yielded to the majority, concluded that their own perceptions were inaccurate. That's really what happens a lot of times, folks. Uh, particularly where it concerns uh, people who are dealing with conformity inside of a family unit. The first way that you start getting converted into doing something on a conformist basis is because they already made you doubt yourself. See, your perceptions were considered inaccurate. So you're doubting yourself, and that's how it was easy to conform with them. You lack your confidence in your own observations. See, so you're like, I don't believe that. I don't, you must be right. Whatever they felt must be incorrect. Lovely. Number three, distortion of action. A number of subjects admitted that they had not reported what in fact they seen. They did not yield or appear different or stupid in the eyes of the group group members. So they, it was some sort of uh, primitive peer pressure. Sometimes people conform just because they're afraid. They don't want to be uh, called out. They don't, they don't want to be criticized. They want to be uh, slap happy friendly with everybody. But guess what, folks? That is the burden and that is the responsibility of freedom. That not everybody around us is going to love us. Not everybody around us is going to be happy with us. Not everybody around us is going to like us or agree with us or, or, or invite us in or want to hang out with us. That's what freedom is all about. You're only going to meet some people that are going to make a connection with you, not everybody. There's nothing to feel weird about. When you do, that's how you become under somebody else's control. That, of course, is not free. That is certainly is not creative. Because you're not forming your own opinion. You're taking theirs. Okay? Now here's some reasons why people conform. Just straight out reasons. Okay? The behaviors of others convince us that our original judgment was incorrect. So informational influence it's called. Alright? Next one. We wish to avoid punishment. Okay? We don't want to get rejected. We don't want the ridicule. Okay? We're concerned about our image and the outcome. All right? We risk disapproval from other group members. If we go too far, we, we feel they're going to reject us and, 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 and cast us aside. Then, lack of perceived alternatives. For some people, they, they could become conformist because they don't feel there's any other uh, uh, alternative out there, which I don't understand. There is an alternative to prison. It's called freedom. There's an alternative to to uh, conformity. It's called creativity. There's a conf there, there's an alternative to no. It's called yes. So yeah, there always is an alternative. But somehow people they just cut themselves off by saying something else doesn't exist when it does. Uh, another reason: fear of disrupting the group's operations. People fear independence because it's going to screw up the group's goals. Oh, how lovely! What about your goals? No, I don't, I don't know about that. Well, that's why, because you're not an individual. If you're an individual, you'd be concerned about your goals. Absence of communication amongst group members. Uh, they didn't want to communicate. They might want to go on the limb. How lovely. 
No feeling responsibility for group outcomes. Members who conform may, may feel group to fail if it meets the objectives. They hesitate to take the initiative. A power, a feeling of power of powerlessness. Some people, they don't want to leave a group that's conformed because it, it gives them, in a false sense, a measure of power. I don't know how, because if you're not making your own decisions... I think it's just that, that false sense of security you get with that for a while because you feel like you're kind of being protected. But who are you really being protected from? And if you think about it, you're being protected from yourself. You're being protected from freedom. You're being protected from creativity. None of these things are positive, folks. Not at all. And I said we have a number of countries that, that do this and they have some mixed results. And like I said, when it comes to Scandinavia... You have to wonder if that becomes a big part of their suicide rate. I don't know if you ever lived there before. But if you have, you'll understand that, especially in Denmark and Sweden, they, they have like a quota system. So yeah, they pay for all your college. But if you want to become a doctor or a lawyer, if they don't have an opening that year, either you go on to do something else or you're going to wait another year and hopefully you have an opening. I mean, if that's really what you want to do, that's really what you're called on doing, I mean, that's enough pressure right there to make people want to jump off a bridge. I mean, it's just that serious. But that's the kind of society they have for the good and, of course, for the bad. And we see the results for, for the bad. Now, I have a couple of interesting quotes. I always like to bring them on a show sometimes because sometimes quotes, especially if they're deep enough, they really help bring, uh, I, I think, a, a real valid point to the, to the show and to the, some of the things we're talking about. Sometimes they cut through everything. The reward for conformity is that everyone likes you but yourself. That's from Rita Mae Brown, writer. Wow. I mean, that, that's like one of the deepest things I've ever heard. I mean, if you think about it, that's 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 exactly what it is. You, you, you're spending your time trying to take care of everybody but yourself. You meet people like this all the time. I call them caretakers in somebody's family. Where all they do is take care of everybody. Take care of the family members and take care of the house and go to work and take care of them. And they never take care of themselves. To the point one day they just fall apart. Some of them even commit suicide. You know? Because they've just burnt out from just doing everybody else except for themselves. That's what that's about. Conformity is the jailer of freedom and the enemy of growth. John F. Kennedy. There you go. Definitely somebody who was opposing communism back in his day. But also trying to make sure that people became unified to support their country not because they were some kind of mindless nationalists, not because they were some kind of rhetorical robots, but because of the loyalty of, you know, my country is here and I should support it. It helps me, I need to help it. It's that simple. Basically, a larger form of community involvement. That's really what it is. I believe that writers, unless they consider themselves terribly exquisite, are at the heart people who live by night. A little bit outside society, moving between delinquency and conformity. That's Guillermo Cabrera Infante. And I think that's really our last thought, because if you think about it, as creative people, as writers, we often have to navigate around 
those conformist situations and those conformist ideas and those conformist people to get the things we have to get done. Sometimes we can't exercise them out of our lives so easily. And I don't mean to make light when I say that, but ultimately sometimes that's what has to get done. It's like it's like marriage. I mean, I believe in it. I support it. But I'm not a fanatic about it. I know plenty of people that divorce was the solution to their happiness. It just didn't work for them. Why be in something that's not working? So I don't really have a problem with divorce. My only problem was when you got people doing it three, four, five times. It's like, forget about divorce. You don't even know how the hell the marriage is all about that. Maybe you shouldn't be doing any of this. But, you know, once I can certainly understand. I know plenty of people that have done that and their second marriage had worked out. They picked the right person. They figured out what their problem were and they were, and they were happy. So sometimes it is necessary. And sometimes just like being in a bad relationship that's really a, a form of conformity if you think about it freedom is the divorce freedom is to get away from there start over and do something else but that's really one that i want to bring to you folks because more and more we have we have writers that that sometimes to forget this they they forget that they are still responsible to not only be creative but to think for themselves and thinking for yourselves means that you take information from here and from there and elsewhere and elsewhere to put it together so you can form some kind of picture that you believe might be the truth. It's not to simply turn on a TV, listen to some newscasts, oh yeah, I know exactly what's going on right now. Because that's always a bad idea these days. They all sound the same. So they're already conformist in whatever they think. You need to learn more than that because you'll find that reality is beyond them and beyond the paper and beyond the internet. You need to be able to form it yourself. It's no different listening to this show. I'm perfectly fine when someone says, Mark, I'm only going to take your show so much and I'm going to explore elsewhere. That's fine. That's what I'd like you to do because that's what means you're a free individual, thinking free and doing things that are free so that you can come up to your own decision because I'm not here to think for you. It's enough for me to think for myself. But I am to help you think a little bit, to help you kind of like look at a few things. And then maybe you can weigh those and find out what is the truth. Alright folks, until next time, next week will be coming on to Maya Angelou of the Classic Spotlight series. That'll be fun. Until then, I wish you a Merry Christmas. You take care and God bless. Good night. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.